Hey there, welcome to XR Industry Leaders with ArborXR. My name is Brad Scoggin, and I am the CEO and one of three co-founders of ArborXR. We've had the opportunity of working with thousands of companies since 2016. And we've learned a ton about what it takes for XR to be successful in your organization. And I'm Will Stackable, co-founder and CMO. This podcast is all about interviewing the leaders who are on the ground making XR happen today. True pioneers in the space, from Amazon, Walmart, and UPS, to Coke, Pfizer, and beyond to uncover the pitfalls, lessons learned, and secrets that you can use to help grow XR in your organization. Today, we get the privilege of sitting down with Mark Grove. Mark has been in XR for almost 20 years, a little over 20 years, which, I mean, probably feels like 60 years. Uh, he is currently the head of immersive tech for UPS. I think he's been doing that for a little over five years. And Mark, my first question for you that I did not ask you in the pre-interview is, are you wearing brown shorts right now? No, I'm not wearing brown shorts. I have slacks on, uh, you know, okay. I'm not the okay. uh, you know, homework or thing. So, uh, no. Uh, I love it. Um, well, before we get into, there, there's a lot we have to talk about, even back to uh, some of your early days in VR and then what UPS is doing today. I would love to hear, I, I noticed on a number of places when you uh, list your bio, you always mentioned that you're a dad. And so that seems important. And we'd love to get a little hear about the personal side of people we visit with. So yeah, tell us what it's like being a dad in, in 2022, teenagers. Hey, you know, um, kind of pre-discussion there, you know, the whole aspect of device dependent teenagers. Uh, <laughs> I'm a, a parent of two. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, I kind of make the joke uh, when I hear metaverse, I think Roblox, cause that's what, you know, they live in. Um, but generally, you know, um, two, two, two lovely ladies, lots of emotion. Uh, you know, and it's, you know, as a dad's making the time for their sports and everything else. So, uh, so, so I'm a lucky guy. That's awesome. Yeah. I just had to navigate, uh, my oldest daughter has a tablet, so no actual cell phone connectivity, but just the texting etiquette was a thing that, you know, I hadn't thought about. So that is fun. Um, okay. Well, before, before we go to some of the UPS stuff, uh, you have been in VR XR a long time. Uh, you started a company in the late nineties. So tell us about that. Tell us what it, what made up both the, I guess, the interest in tech and the entrepreneurial side of, of Mark. Sure. Um, way back when, when the internet was first talking about community internet, and they called this tech, you know, internet, and uh, you know, there was technology like VRML, and they wanted to create communities. Um, I got the bug. So um, I was a, a, an intern developing on Linux flight simulators using VR technology and a company that doesn't exist anymore called Silicon Graphics. Um, really got the bug. It was awesome. You know, back then, uh, all the headsets weren't put together. You had to modulize and put everything together. Um, and uh, right out of college, uh, I was an accounting major. Um, you know, my friends and I did a startup. Digital Cybernetics Corporation. It was based around 360 degree operating system. Now, no, it was an enhancement. And, um, you know, we had it working on Mac OS 9 and uh, Windows NT 4.1, something like that. And, uh, you know, it was an enhancement. It was really cool. You know, you use the motion tracker, almost like kind of a panoramic 360 degrees around you workspace. It was cool, you know, great technology in my mind at the time, but uh, a very famous person said to me when I showed him it was people don't pay for enhancements. And, uh, he was right. Cause two years after that, uh, 
didn't go too well. And also we saw a major decline in VR. So, uh, so yeah. I have to ask, did you, did you read a lot of sci-fi growing up? That sounds like a straight out of sci-fi uh, company name. Digital Cybernetics Corporation, I would say maybe my brother uh, had some influence. He's actually now a medical doctor, but back then he was a, uh, you know, pre-med student. So maybe there was something there exploring with copper wiring on lab rats or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah, you know, the back then, I think when you thought about technology combined with, you know, living things, people would think cybernetic. So, you know, technology terms change, I guess. For the, for those of us that weren't, for those of us that weren't, uh, weren't around at the start of that age, what, what was the feel? Was the, was the sense that this is going to be here tomorrow? Like we're seeing into the future and it's going to, was there a sense of how long it was going to take? And did you have any, any realization of, oh, this is going to take 20 or 30 years? It's a tough question. Uh, back then, the line I was giving my investors was five to seven years. Um, that was the line. Uh, but in the interim, right, we had a lot of things happen recessions and things of that nature. Uh, they all impact the technology. Um, you know, I would say the feeling then was very similar to the feeling a lot of people have now about the metaverse. Um, so for someone like me now, I get cold sweats and I get nervous because, you know, you can reflect on things you learned. Um, but, you know, um, it's, it, it's, it's interesting and challenging times is the saying, right? I want to, I want to ask, you said that, uh, somebody said that people don't pay for enhancements, which I think is really interesting. So just even jumping ahead for a bit to today, I mean, how do you see, does today feel different from that perspective with XR? Does it feel like it's, is it finding more of a core place in our lives, you know, even in enterprise or is it, do you think it, is it still an enhancement to some degree? Well, no, I definitely think uh, the market's changed enough to give you an idea in the late nineties, early two thousands. You had to pay $50,000 just for a, a modded version of Unreal to run the devices, right? Nowadays, all that tech is freely accessible. You know, we have amazing tools like Unity and Unreal. You know, that, I mean, I wish I had it when I was going to college, right? You know, now students are able to learn all that technology. Um, you know, so the marketplace is definitely different. Um, the fact that everything's integrated, um, I'd say sort of the commoditization of the technology has happened. Um, you know, when we have these amazing things now, like smartphones, you know, back then those didn't exist. Uh, so there's a lot of innovation has happened for the technology since then. So, you know, I have high hopes, um, but the always in the back of your mind says, well, what's, what's going to sort of trigger this interest? Right. You know, you always want to think about that, but yeah. We got we got, I wasn't planning on asking this, but we got to get a hot take. What, what in your mind, what is the metaverse? If you're going to define it, which is, it's a, it's a hard one, but, and then, yeah. Do you have a, a feel on, you know, we were seeing everybody chief metaverse officer, every company has a metaverse strategy. Uh, what's your feel? You've, you've been in that world longer than most. One thing I'll say working at UPS. Uh, one thing I've learned is to think things out thoroughly. Um, so in answering your question, I would say it's a whatever verse. Um, my opinion more, I'm focused more towards enterprise. It's really, you know, the decentralization of technology, the enterprise or industrialization 
you know, of technology into, you know, like UPS, we call our smart hub or smart network. Um, I really kind of see the metaverse being more of that, more web three, less social networks. Um, because, you know, I mean, there's the, the appeal of, and from a business sense, right, still trying to figure, we're gonna have to formulate what that means in regards to multiple users socializing on a platform, right? Um, we're not in a marketing business, right? We're in a service business. So maybe there's value of quote, the whatever verse, the UPS verse, whatever you want to call it verse uh, for better customer service, you know, better employee experience as well. You know, the aspect of using the same technology, digital twins as a process to onboard employees you know, things of that nature. But what does the metaverse mean to UPS or to me? Um, you know, it's it's an opportunity to sort of improve customer experience as well as employee experience. But how that actually is gonna shape out or how that's actually gonna work, that'll be an interesting question. Um, from the deployment IT side, there's a ton of challenges. When you think about on the enterprise side, right? Unlike a social network business, all the infrastructure is owned and maintained by you. So it'll be interesting. You know, I have made jokes in previous association meetings about corporate doesn't care. And big enterprise is not going to care about it till there's the intranet version of it, right? Um, otherwise, it's just going to be a marketing portal store, you know, in the public eye. Um, we'll see. Okay, so let's let's shift to UPS. So UPS, I mean, it's, a, it's been around for decades. Um, you've been there for five years uh, as the head of, I mean, doing VR stuff to some degree or XR stuff. So I think one question that's always really interesting to us, really interesting to a lot of our listeners and people in the space is, what was the process for a company like UPS to shift from business as usual to, okay, there's this new this new XR thing. Maybe there's a way to use that in our company? What, what was that process like? And what role did you play in that? Yeah, so um, I came on board in late 2017 in November. So as of this month, it's been five years. Um, and when I came on board, really the challenge or the question I was given by the portfolio manager of UPS, name is Joe Lawless, was really how to build the practice. That's that journey that you're kind of talking about. It's the how how do you utilize the technology in the space, right? Um, we all know about how uh, XR has a bad rap when it comes to, you know, people get the, I call it the magic effect glow when it comes to the technology, right? They wanna do something with it. But in enterprise, it's really about, well, how does it align to business? You know, the, the, the aspects of, and specifically for enterprise, right? The biggest lesson I've learned over the last, I would say the first three years was the challenge of deployment, right? So for enterprise, being able to deploy the technology in a cost-effective way is very important, right? Um, that was the initial challenge, right? Everybody had beacon stations and everything else up, right? Um, that cost a lot of money to install every time you wanted to do it, right? Um, 2019, right? We were deploying PC tethered stuff. You know, it was $10,000, $9,000 per unit install to do, right? And then, you know, er, 
put the brakes on and now we have all-in-one headsets, which, you know, cost 1500 to deploy, right? So all of a sudden, the scale of deployment is a lot higher now from the standpoint of cost and just the resources need to deploy. So that was a big learning process. Um, you know, that's excluding things like uh, developing, you know, VR publishing platforms for, you know, what I would describe as subject matter experts within your organization so that you can utilize the tools. But specific to sort of the deployment aspect to it, it was a, it's been a big challenge. Um, but now, you know, we look at, at UPS, we, we have a defined sort of mature VR practice around training. So, you know, the latest change in the last two years have really helped accelerate what we, where we're going with that. And, you know, with technology like uh, ArborXR, uh, sort of what I could describe as a self-support MDM sort of solution, you know, it's good stuff. Um, you know, very positive motions in that direction. You know, now it's really a case of, in the practice, defining processes for your business people so that they can properly utilize the technology, right? Because part of that's education. You know, everybody gets the big glowy eyes, they want to play with the toy, but that only lasts so long. You know, you really have to build a tool that creates value and profit for the company. Definitely. And when you talk about deployment challenges, can you like ex expand on that a little bit, maybe for our audience? Like, what what are what were the biggest or what are the biggest friction points you've played you've faced around deployment specifically? Well, I mean, if you think about it, if you're going to deploy any technology into the field, it has to be managed and maintained, right? Um, then you ask yourself two questions: Is it going to be something that's internally maintained and supported, or is it going to go out into the wilds and I don't have to support it, right? Uh, but if it goes out into the wilds, I still need analytics. I still need some sort of return on that investment. So, you know, thinking that way, right? Um, internally sort of deploying the technology, right? Um, you have to do things as, as silly as maintaining certificates for Wi-Fi, right? You have to maintain proper security protocols for devices. Um, Honestly, that's been a huge challenge for the last four years of my career at UPS because the specifically the XR industry, if you want to call that, or the market, it's constantly playing catch up to the rest of the business smartphone world, right? So the aspect of, you know, XR devices running on Android 10 or 11. Meanwhile, you know, we have smartphones that are running so many things higher or they have, you know, specific enterprise standards that we apply to smartphones, but we can't apply to XR devices. Um, it's a big deal. You know, you get uh, Wi-Fi engineers saying, no, you can't deploy this to this area because it doesn't meet these requirements, right? Huge challenge. Um, you know, the last few years has definitely improved. Um, hopefully that kind of gives some light into it. Hey, could you, t could you, you mentioned the Android versions and most people on this call probably know that, you know, these he headsets are running Android op open source and there's some unique challenges there. What have you found just when it comes to doing deployments and looking at general compatibility with existing device management solutions? What are some of the sticking points? Well, I mean, the big one, I think that kind of sticks out when it comes to you guys is Cost to experiment, let's say. Um, a lot of 
I would assume businesses right now are hesitant to explore MDM because their traditional MDMs are very expensive. Um, and when you think about that, right, um, you guys make it so that it's very easy to sort of explore, you know, this sort of, you know, stick your feet in the, in the water, test it out. Um, it's not very expensive. Um, it's not, it's, it's very easy to use um, as long as you have the connectivity. Um, that, that would be kind of the key points. Um, other aspects is some business may have MDMs that don't have or have even thought of supporting XR devices. So, uh, you know, those are all challenges when you have business aligned roadmaps and then you're trying to look at this technology. I want to go back to, to, to 2017. So you come on in 2017 and you're charged with building the practice. So at, at that point in, in UPS, what was the, I mean, was leadership already sold on, on VR as something that needed to be implemented or were you still experimenting? Like what, what was the, the kind of the temperature at that point? 2017, I came on board. Uh, we had some, some amazing upper level management where they definitely could envision the potential. Uh, but it was the case of, well, how do, how are you going to properly do it? You know, the, the practice, right? The idea of standards, guidelines. So senior management, and I think generally UPS as a whole, they already had, uh, I'd say, they had a lot of familiarity with augmented reality because UPS with automation and everything else, computers, robots, and everything else, computer vision, aspects of markers and that aspect. They had a strong understanding, right? You know, the, this is a company that built the iPad, you know, their version of the iPad before the iPad was out there. You know, they had their dyad, right? Um, so they were pretty familiar with augmenting reality type technology. VR, less so, but they already had groups. Um, UPS has an uh, institution called Integrad. That's like your driver's safety, right? When I came on board, they had preliminary sort of POCs, but nothing that was localizable, nothing that was deployable globally. Um, you know, and the way they were deploying it was very um, desktop. Um, you know, again, it was high, it was expensive. So all these things, when you start playing into rubrics, KPIs, return on investment sort of questions, um, you know, it plays against the technology at the time. Um, and it was really a case of sort of engineering and finding solutions that best match to what the organizational need was. Um, and in that frame, you know, graduating from concepts or proof of concepts or MVPs around VR training to all of a sudden, I describe it as going from zero to 60 in three seconds because the proof of concept had value, you know, and all of a sudden now from an IT organizational standpoint, you have to support that. Um, you know, there's those challenges as well. So, um, you know, you go from one sort of concept all of a sudden to different business groups saying, oh, we want uh, health and safety for hazmat. We want, you know, proper way to pick up a box to, you know, we want uh, more experiences around driver safety and our special methodologies, right? And then all of a sudden this is, you know, within 
initial watch of a POC to three months down the road, all of a sudden people see it, you know, you can watch the YouTube video to all of a sudden, you know, all the business groups wanting to rush into the technology. And I call that, it's the magic phase, right? Everyone sees this cool toy, it's magic, right? Um, you know, and in a way, from an organizational standpoint, that's a huge challenge as well. And uh, it, it was frustrating because the organization looks to you as sort of, you know, you're the guidance, you're, you're the SME, you know, on this. So, you know, what should we do, you know? Um, so it was definitely challenging. Well, and tell me, this is something, and this, forgive our ignorance here. We, we think about this a lot and we talk to a lot of companies that are in different stages of deployment. But one thing I'm always really curious about is you talk about different departments saying, oh, you know, we want to use VR for, for this or that. Like, what is that? Like, what are the steps in that process? Like, is it a department has an idea? And then, I mean, how is that validated? How does it even get to the, the point of saying, we're going to actually go build content for it? We're going to use this piece of hardware, and then this is how we're going to measure if it actually is, is beneficial. What could you share with kind of some of those steps? So I think I can share that, you know, over the last four years, my groups built the practice around that. So the idea of, you know, the best solutions I always say are somebody that's in the field, boots on the ground, right? So, you know, it took some time, but now we have the tech in place, the, the business process, the culture, where somebody that has an idea can say, okay, you know, hey, I want to do this. You know, I want to create a simulation to prevent people picking up, you know, some hazardous material in a broken package, right? We have, I would almost say, a business process where we teach them about, I would almost describe it like game development 101 or um, sort of how to express your technical requirements to a technical vendor so they could develop it, right? Those are things we actually had to put in place. Um, every organization, believe it or not, has very creative people in there that if it was up to them, they would do it themselves. Right. So creating the processes to help them sort of vent or express what it is they want to do. It's very important. So, so that's generally it. It's, you know, someone has an idea. Um, generally they would either, um, go to like some of our events. We do roadshow type of stuff inter internally inside the company, or, you know, they have an idea, it bubbles up to top level management and Alp or used to be one or, you know, Joe or somebody else, even Carol, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, you want to do something in VR, AR. Okay. There's this group, send an email to these guys, or we have a team's channel, right? Where people can, you know, through exploring SharePoint sites, right? They can find us and they can kick off a process, but that took time to figure that out. Right. Um, kind of reiterate, right? One cool thing about UPS is Typically, we do things and they're well thought out. They're not impulsive. So, you know, and where you asked, it's, it's all part of that process. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that there's the freedom to, for, for people to be creative and then there's channels and, and there's outlets for that. I think that's, that's really, really cool. Um, what can you tell us about just some of the different use cases of VR today at UPS? So around I'd VR... Hear, if, sir, I'd love to hear too if if uh, there's any particular success story you've got, if you wanted to zoom in on 
I'd love to hear a few of the different ones, but if you've got one in particular, maybe that's already well underway that you could just sort of zoom in on a little bit. So, um, so, I mean, a big success story for us would be, um, obviously it's our driver safety. Um, you know, I originally talked about one experience right now that group has 12 experiences in a catalog, right? And that's all, you know, managed and uploaded to the devices through the MDM, right? Um, the fact that they went from looking at, um, what I would describe as more of a traditional mentor system where say someone observes them driving to saying, you know what, that's, a, you know, there's time lost there and simply saying to them, Hey, if you want to learn or experience this program, this you know particular curriculum, um, you know, here's a VR headset, you know, and uh, they don't have to go travel somewhere, sit in a car with somebody and see what they're doing. Instead, they can sort of, virtually experienced that all themselves. And the cool thing with the tech was we found it's accelerated. So they didn't have to do eight hours. They could do two hours and they'd have the same level of retention and understanding of an eight hour day, right? So that's a big deal when you start thinking about time spent. That's very cool. What, what you know, so we were at, at AES recently and I got to listen to a lot of talks. Um, and one thing that came up a number of times that I thought was really interesting in talking about the ROI, there were several companies who said, you know, once you as a company can really land on the sweet spot, on your sweet spot for XR and really find where the value is being added, almost the cost of implementation doesn't matter because the, value, the, the, the ROI is just so great. Agree with that, disagree with that. I mean, where's UPS on that spectrum of finding the sweet spot? Um, well, I would say UPS could probably definitely agree. Um, there's some areas where I would describe as, uh, are trained knowledge workers. So aircraft maintenance, because UPS is a big airline, right? Um, you know, cost of the equipment versus the cost of something's done wrong. It's a huge difference, right? So the fractions of the cost of that equipment to the prevention that it does, it's, it's excellent, right? It's a great return on investment. Uh, health and safety, right? The idea of uh, mitigating, uh, you know, injury. It's, you know, any scenario like that, the equipment pays for itself because it's it's preventative. You know, so those are easy ROIs. Well, I, I just love that we're at a place. You know, the whole the whole theme kind of of AES was no longer asking the question, does XR work, but how how to scale XR. And then there were a lot of conversations like this where lots of different use cases where, I mean, exactly like you said, whether it's health and safety or whatever, the costs just don't compare to the benefits. And I think even when you talk about shaving training down from eight hours to two hours with an increased retention, I almost think we don't, we're seeing it play out, but I don't know that we collectively are really grasping how much that's going to impact our ability just to learn, you know, I mean, beyond enterprise, even in education, which I think is really, really exciting. And, and especially if I'm, I'm a, I would assume someone who's been in XR since 1998, <laughs> to see us getting to this point with really clear ROI and really um, the, asking questions that haven't been asked for a long time, that things are mat have matured enough to get to that point. Um, 
So maybe tell us, you know, either from UPS or just you personally, with with where the market's at today, um, what are you excited about, and what's what's kind of what's ahead? I'm really excited that, you know, it's not a question of can it be done anymore. It really is exciting that we're we're past that uh, in enterprise. You know, it's exciting that now it's a case of why aren't you? doing it. Those are kind of, for me, you know, those are the, the encouraging, the exciting stuff. Um, you know, there's some other things I'd like to say, but I can't talk about, but you know, um, the progression of the technology, the, the aspects of yes, the M word, the, the concept of decentralization, um, I would say, you know, not for nothing, you know, one good thing about COVID was it very quickly allowed business to realize that, you know, decentralized workforces, you know, giving your employees tools to be highly productive, they're all very important. And, you know, look at UPS and there's, it, it, it progresses and gives your company success. Um, and I think XR as a whole, it's really exciting. Um, you know, VR, I think we're at a point where we are almost at a point where it's a stable, there's a high confidence tool that you can use in the space. Um, Cause that's something that's been a bane to XR, sorry, to VR is just the reliance and consistency of a technology. It, you know, it's stable now, you know, it's not, is it gonna work? We know it's gonna work and we can rely on it. Um, so that's exciting too. VR is exciting, sorry, AR is exciting because we see a lot of initially, you know, in the last year or so, um, a lot of sort of pivots and people are starting to get the idea that, hey, you know, VR has its value in the end, what's the final product gonna be? I think everybody would say, you know, VR and AR in the end, they're gonna be together because it's really gonna be just a case of what it is that you're doing at what time. That's how the device's features are set. Um, It'll be interesting. Um, the sort of trends in regards to just the technology knowledge sharing, you know, within the community, you know, um, the community has grown so much just since 2014. Um, you know, I'm amazed that now universities are offer offering certificates and majors for the technology, which to me is always a good thing. Um, so there's a lot of good things going on, you know, my, my hopes is that the excitement continues and, you know, as a, as a community, as a group, you know, things develop. Yeah. I love that. Um, as we, as we close here, uh, what advice would you give to new adopters? If, if you were starting today with a, with a deployment, a new fleet of headsets, uh, what would you do differently? Slow down. <laughs> get away from the smoke and mirrors as quick as possible, no matter what the technology is. And I think any solutions architect will tell you that. Um, really, you have to reflect the technology based on your business. Um, you know, get away from that. We want to do something cool with this trinket and really reflect on, well, how can this trinket make our business better? Um, that's you know, you're going to save yourself two years if you get, you get that done right away. Um, the other thing is, um, 
there's still risk aversion because there's businesses out there that think that the latest tech coming out, the VR headsets coming out are just like cardboards. They're not. Um, I've had previous business stakeholders within UPS say to me, no, they don't want to do something. And then I present them with the newer technology and they're like, hey, wait a second, you guys fixed this, you know? Um, <clears throat> so technology wise, the tech is a lot better. Um, you know, there's a lot of us out there that have been making lots of mistakes and we've been learning from those mistakes. So, you know, my advice would just be, um, there are groups out there like you guys where, you know, they've made the mistakes for, for the business person that, you know, I'm talking to. So the risks of applying the technology are a lot less. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity, uh, on the business side for this technology. And, um, you know, my kind of feeling right now is, you know, um, we're past the, can we do it? And it really is a question now about, you know, you gotta look at the tech and say, how can it make our business better? Mm -hmm. That's great. That's super helpful. Okay. Last question here. Uh, kind of a fun one. Uh, so 10 years from now, looking back, what surprises us? Oh, I hate these questions. <laughs> um, because, uh, when I was doing startups, I was notorious for doing bleeding edge. So, you know, what I'm, you know, 10 years from now, you know, barring our words and financials and wars and things like that, you know, my hopes is in 10 years from now, successful business frameworks or technology frameworks related to wearables, XR wearables will be a thing and hopefully relevant. Um, do I think it's going to replace the smartphone? I don't know. I think VR and specifically XR wearables are going to become slaves to fashion in 10 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so you're always going to have the variety. Um, but from the standpoint of technology management and things of that nature, um, you know, I think like we have now with smartphones, XR devices are going to be in the same book, you know, the same thing. Um, Everyone support it. Um, the metaverse question is is iffy. Um, I just say because even in ten years, there's a lot of factors that are dependent on the technology to be successful. So you know, maybe there'll be a 3D web out there, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, maybe more open multi-user services out there for gaming, right? Or as we're seeing cloud collaborative solutions for, you know, interfacing with wearable XR wearables. Um, I think in 10 years we'll have something right. Um, definitely feel the acceleration of the technology is a lot quicker than it used to be back in the late nineties. It was seven years, you know, now some trends are two years, some trends are five years. So how will it be in 10 years? Ah, it's a tough one. <laughs> one thing I would say is probably, um, I think all businesses speaking from a standpoint of enterprise, mm -hmm. there'll be some level of adoption of the technology, but how they use it obviously going to be specific to their business case. Before we wrap, I've got to ask MetaQuest Pro or Pico 4? You don't have to answer well, this UPS if you don't want to. <laughs> UPS has partnerships with HTC. So my answer is Vive Focus 3 or any future device that might be soon announced. 
Um, but you know, on a personal note, I mean, um, you know, I like the technology, um, social trolling, not as much. Um, the Pico four, I really like because of the auto IPM, uh, um, things of that nature from a standpoint of, you know, being a business nerd doing deployments, I probably would go for the Pico four over the MetaQuest pro. Um, I think the MetaQuest Pro is a little early, um, but I'm reserving the decision on that because I haven't officially evaluated it yet. I had to ask current event, but um, well, speaking of HTC, because we, we work closely with them, uh, we've even worked with them to develop a batch configuration option for large deployments. Could you talk a little bit about yeah what, what is your experience working with them on enterprise deployments and um, what do you like well, about that? I mean, you know, I we UPS gave them the designs, I would say requirements of the Vive Focus <laughs> 3 in 2018. Um, we basically said, look, if there was a device for VR training that we'd want, what are the characteristics? What you're seeing in the Vive Focus 3 is what they were. Um, the ability to deploy with their methods, you know, I would say right now it's pretty standard in the sense of they're not smart devices and it's smartphones, so they don't have their own data service. So the method of how to deploy is pretty similar to everybody else. Um, I would actually say what you guys offer um, is more a preference because it's more intuitive and it's a better experience than kind of the way they've currently have it going. But, you know, we're very happy with the batch processes that they have now, since now things are more generic. Um, you know, the, the reliability, you know, the, the, the ability to know, okay, the, the boot image that I've got on this system, it's gonna work every time. It's there now, I mean, two years ago, it was sketchy, uh, especially with the Five Focus, Five Focus Plus. But the Five Focus 3, um, after three or four firmware updates, you know, like running, uh, 5.14 or above, you know, it's been pretty consistent. So, uh, it's been a good experience. Um, and, you know, going back to the whole scalpel reliance of a tool question, right? Uh, you know, we can rely on it now compared to, you know, previous things where, you know, it was sketch. Um, my hopes is obviously, you know, they get more resources and more support. You know, there's a lot of features we've talked about, uh, firmware, you know, over, over Wi-Fi sort of updating and things like that. I'd love to see, um, other things, <clears throat> you know, things like, uh, better tools for the virtual classroom, um, things like, um, instructors ability to see multi-client screen grabs or streaming is huge because for the last three years, our VR instructors in a lot of these institutions have been asking for that. Mm. Um, and I would love to see like a really stable solution that's not like a borderline spyware by a provider. Um, you know, those are the things that I'm hoping, you know, in the sense of Viverse and things like that, you know, Vive's come a long way, Vive ports come a long way. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's definitely a better experience, but you know, my hopes is there's continued improvement.
Love that. It is nice to have uh, stability and to be asking uh, new forward-looking questions. Uh, Key thing when it comes to enterprise, you know, yeah. business isn't gonna business isn't gonna sign up for jankiness. No, you know, it wants no. stability. Maybe it works fine in a pilot project, but when you go to start scaling up, it becomes uh, if you're on the line when something goes wrong. <laughs> you don't Side loading is not fun. Not fun. <laughs> no, th that is. Uh truth right there side loading is i need fun. the t-shirt that says that side loading <laughs> platform uh well mark it has been uh great chatting with you today we, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to come and uh answer some questions and share what ups is up to uh, it's exciting to see ups in a leadership position in this new technology and uh exciting to see what you've been able it's to my do pleasure there, i so. really appreciate the time guys Anytime. and people can find you on linkedin mark Grobe, G-R-O-B, and uh, we appreciate it. Not a problem. And you can also uh, attend. I co-chair the VRAR Association's uh, Enterprise Forum. So they're always welcome. You know, feel free as a community. I'm here to support anytime. Well, I have to say, the thing I'm most surprised about from that episode is that Mark was not wearing brown shorts. I would have bet a lot of money that he was. Uh, but I, honestly, I think interviews like that are what the industry needs to hear. Uh, you've got a company uh, that I think most think of as a brown truck delivering packages. It's a hundred year old plus company, uh, but the reality is they are cutting edge on the cutting edge of technology. They've been testing and proving out XR for years and seeing results like eight hours of training down to two, no truck, no trainer, uh, increased retention rate. Uh, very, very impressive. It really is. And, you know, going into a recession, potentially seeing companies that are actually ramping their spending on XR because it's been proven out, they've done it in pilot projects and it saved them so much time and money that they're now ramping. Uh, I think it is, it's exciting and it's a good sign for, for the industry. So thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to find us, check us out on arborxr.com backslash podcast. Uh, we've got show notes and, and a lot of great links there. And you can find us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>